Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. I want you to turn in your Bible uh, to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to continue on our series uh, titled Consecration, Living in the Days of Daniel. These days that we're living in are very similar to the days that Daniel was living in. Daniel was living in Babylon. Babylon is historically known as a pretty wicked city from start to finish. In the Word of God, it's symbolic and representative of of times when people cast off the Word of God, they cast off restraint, they reject right and wrong, and then they start to reap the certain, the desolation that flows from rebellion. And, uh, um, and the book of Daniel really shows us what we are called to do when things get dark. And how many know when things get dark, what we're called to do is we're called to separate ourselves to God. We're called to consecrate ourselves, just like Daniel and the three Hebrew boys did. And last week we said, look, this is the time for consecration, is these days, what we need to do to be God's answer to this world is to get away, to steal away with God. And what I want to do as we go into today's message, I want to put the definition of consecration back up just so that we get real clarity because consecration is such a religious word, but it, but it doesn't mean uh, uh, religious things. It means affection, okay? Consecration is a separation to the purposes, plans, and person of God. It's a separation motivated by our affections. It means that you separate yourself to the one that you love. How many love Jesus here? Could I see your hands? Amen. So when you love someone, there are choices that you make to be close to them and to walk with them. That's what consecration is all about. Consecration is one of those words that sounds so religious, okay? But it has nothing to do with religion and everything to do with relationship. And so... uh, um, That's what this series is all about, and today we're going to begin, the the title of the message today is uh, Consecration Leads to Elevation. Everyone say elevation. Elevation. Consecration leads to elevation, and by elevation I mean that the Lord will elevate those who are sold out to Him. It means that God wants to bring to the forefront those who are consecrated to him, because how many know when God brings us to the forefront, he really brings himself to the forefront? That's what this series, and especially today's message, is is really all about. In other words, when times are dark, please look at me for a second. Listen to this. When times are as dark and as crazy as these, okay, it's obvious that people can't see God. Okay? But you know how they can see him? They can see him through us. They can see him through us. 
When I talk about elevation, I'm talking about God elevating us so that in this crazy world, God will have his people shining and bringing him glory. Look at what Matthew chapter 5 says. Matthew chapter 5, beginning uh, 14 14 through 16, says this. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. Okay? But on a stand, it says, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let's read this together. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is elevation. This is elevation. When you read the book of Daniel, and as we look at this passage today, this passage today is an Old Testament example of a New Testament reality. Brothers and sisters, we are called to shine for the glory of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know, we don't sing this little light of uh, mine anymore, but we need to bring that back. Okay? We need to bring that back. Because Christians are called to shine. How many would say amen? Amen. There is a facet of consecration that makes us bright when we're in this world. It's just powerful. And when we talk about, about elevation, it's basically this. You don't put the light down under the table. How many know you put the light, you elevate the light so that it can bring light? How many want to be elevated for the glory of God? Amen. This is a very, very important message. And, uh, um, man, I've been praying. You know, I've been praying, and we'll talk a little bit more on one of the points, but I've really been praying that people would see Jesus through you. You know, that's what it's all about, is that people would see Jesus through us. Amen. We talked about the fact that there are several themes in the book of Daniel, okay? One of the themes was that in every season, in every period of history, in every generation, okay, dark or not, God's people have a role to play. And our role is to shine. So we're going to pick up now Daniel chapter 1, and we saw last, uh, last week uh, uh, we read how uh, we define what captivity is. We read how they ended up in captivity. And now we're going to get into um, uh, verses 8 through 21. Starting with chapter 8, the king captured, he took hostages, he took the best of the best, and he took some young men and he tried to uh, bring them into his court. And these young men that he tried to bring uh, into his court... Um, the ones that God focused on are Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he actually gave them different names. We talked about all of the significance of that last week, and now the king also said, I want them to have my food and my wine, and we're going to just jump right in here. It says, uh, beginning with verse 8, it says, but Daniel resolved. Everyone say resolved. resolved. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official 
to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men of your age? uh, The king then would have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal uh, food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to test, uh, he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. This is very significant stuff we're reading here. Let's keep going. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine uh, they were to drink and gave them vegetables and said, To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. A little more. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them, let's say these three words together, ready? Ten times better. Come on. Come on, God. (laughs) He found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Next week we'll talk about this last sentence, which is very, very powerful. But what we're seeing here, brothers and sisters, is the process and the journey of elevation. How God takes those who consecrate themselves to him, and he literally elevates them. But this elevation is not for them, it's for him. This elevation is not about them, but about him. God wants to elevate us as his people, not so that we can become famous, not so that we could have a lot of likes on Facebook or whatever that is, Instagram. No, it's we want the divine like. We want the heavenly like. All we want is one like, the like of heaven. Hallelujah. And and God wants the world to take notice that he draws close to people and he blesses them and he makes them shine for his glory. So let's pray now and let's ask God, God to visit us and to minister to us. How many people are ready to grow? That's what this moment is all about. Father, we thank you and we praise you. And God, we ask your blessing on the rest of this meeting. Surely you're here with us, O God. And surely, Lord, you promised to honor your word. And I pray, God, for grace today to to communicate your word to your people. 
And God, I pray, Lord God, that every heart would receive, Lord. Help us to receive your truth. Help us, O oh God, to be impacted by your truth, O oh God, and help us, Lord, to shine and to bring you glory. We want you to get all the glory and all the honor for our lives. We live for that day that we can say, that we can hear, that we can hear from your very lips, Lord. Well done, my good and faithful servant. So bless us and use us in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. 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 Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, now, uh, um, before we get into the, um, the, this actual process of elevation that, that is the result of consecration, there is something that we need to talk about. I think today's message, this is the time to really address this, okay? Because you can't get around this as a Christian. So the Bible says that Daniel resolved not to defile himself, okay, with the king's food and wine. And... Um, Defilement is real, okay? Defilement is real. Part of the reason why Daniel wouldn't eat that food is not only was it incongruent with uh, the Jewish dietary laws, but more importantly is that food... See, we take food for granted because it's everywhere, you see? But in those cultures, they, food was a big deal, you know? Food was one of the biggest conveniences uh, 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 and blessings. It always is. How many know if you don't have food and you're hungry, you forget about everything else? Okay? If we had a shortage of food, people would be giving up their cars, their iPhones, their this, their that, all their prized possessions because, you know, how many, you get to that place where it's food first. We can't survive without food. That food was actually offered to idols. It would offer, it was, food was, was part of worship, and that food was offered to the idols of Babylon. And so Daniel said, I don't want to defile myself with things that are offered to Babylon. So in a sense, what does that mean today? How does that, how does the defilement apply to us today? Well, I want to give you a couple of simple working uh, examples and definitions. Number one, any indulgence that glorifies the wrong king. When you think about defilement, it's indulging, part, uh, uh, tasting things that, that, that glorify the wrong king. Where, what is the source of it? It's participating in things. Any, it's a momentary pleasure that leads to lengthy degradation. Okay? There are things that defile us. Sin defiles. Worldliness defiles. Okay? And Christians have to face that. If you don't, if you don't want to face this, then you don't want Jesus. Okay? If, if the word holiness is like legalism to you, then you don't really want Jesus. You don't really love Jesus. The truth of the matter is, is Jesus says, be ye holy as I'm holy. Jesus says, come out from among them. We are called to be different. Can I get an Amen. amen. We're not supposed to look like the world and live like the world and act like the world. We're supposed to be different because our affections are sold out to Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. And things of this world defile. There are things that defile. 
There are certain worldly things that just, they just, they soil us. They, they make us dirty and, and there's no getting around it. And you can't, look, it's almost like this, okay? How many know, uh, how many have ever seen one of those, those glow sticks, the glow in the dark sticks? You know, the, what they do is you take the stick, right, and you get it like under a light and you put it right under the light and then it absorbs the heat and then you bring the stick and then you bring it out into the darkness and it glows. Okay? So you're close, you separate yourself to the light and then you get out there and glow. But if you live in the darkness, if you're covered by darkness, if you're washed in the darkness, then guess what? No glow. So here's the question. Can you be a Christian and have no glow? I'm going to tell you it's a resounding yes. If you're being defiled on a consistent basis, then it's a resounding yes. Yes, yes. There are things that defile us. There are things that we take into our eyes that defile us. You keep, I don't know how people watch uh, rated R movies with all the cursing, all the nudity, all the, the gratuitous sex and all of the garbage and all of the nonstop filth, filth, filth right? Do you know Christians are a major chunk of the, of the, of the, how am I, what am I trying to say? Christians go to movies and, and the filthy ones. Okay? You know what you call that? Call that defilement. Okay? That's defilement. Now, this is not legalism. This is who do you love? You know? So, so there are different things, different behaviors, different activities, you know. And we rejoice when people make choices not to defile themselves. You know, uh, um, uh, a premarital sex, sex out of, out of marriage, that's a defilement. The Bible talks about that. There's all sorts of things. And uh, uh, I, personally, I personally believe that drinking is a form of defilement. You know, he didn't want to drink the king's wine. I was at a, it was interesting. I was at a, a, a Christian uh, charity event. And um, it was a very, you know, listen, when you live in this life, keep your eyes open. We're going to talk about this next week. Keep your eyes open. So I was at a Christian charity event. It was a very interesting dynamic. I was there with the man of God, real man of God, and I praise God for that. Let me give you a piece of advice. If you're gonna, if you're gonna have friends, choose godly people. Love everyone, but choose godly people. Don't choose worldly Christians for friends. Choose godly people. So it's an interesting dynamic because at the end there were prizes, and some of the prizes they were literally Christians were literally giving out bottles of scotch. When the Bible says, "Woe to him who gives his neighbor strong drink," if scotch or whatever it is or whiskey is not strong drink, then what is? You know. Now I know. I know that preaching like this nowadays is a no-no. I know it's a no-no. I know that it's not popular, but so be it. So be it. So it's crazy. It's crazy. And listen, we were there. I was with a man of God. I, I, he didn't participate in any of that. Okay? You don't have to indulge in the things of this world. There are simple choices that you can make. 
that are so powerful in the eyes of heaven. Simple choices out of love, not out of rules and regulations, out of love. Okay, if this is based on rules and regulations or, or, or if this is based on who's in control, here's another thing you got to settle. Okay, you have to settle who the real king of your, of your heart is. Are you the king or is he the king? Because if he is the king and you really want to please him, then you won't take a moment like this as me trying to tell you how to live. I'm not trying to tell you how to live. It's a free country. Live however you want. Go to whatever church you want. Worship however you want. Okay? Nobody can force you to do anything. But you have to choose. You can't serve two gods. You can't serve the world and God. You can't do it. It doesn't work like that. You see? But I know this. I know this. Okay? History shows any person that separates themselves out of love for Christ. They shine, they're blessed, they're rewarded, and they do things that are being written in heaven and that will be remembered. You see? So that's what this is. This message is about consecration. This is not, some people say, oh, you're, you're trying to invade my Christian freedom. I'm not trying to invade any of your Christian freedom. I'm not talking about that, okay? But are you shining or aren't you? Okay? That's the bottom line. And what Daniel said is, I won't defile myself. I won't do it. Now, let's look at for a moment, what are the things that really led? What does this text teach us about, uh, uh, about this moment? Because I... I think that this is so kind. It shows the love of God and the kindness of God and the beauty of God as you really look at this passage. Okay, What does this text tell us about consecration and about elevation? Here's the first thing it teaches us. Is that consecration takes place through heavenly support. Consecration takes place through heavenly support. Daniel said, I don't want to do this. And he made the appeal. And it says, now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to, to, uh, uh, and compassion to Daniel. Consecration is not based on self-effort rather than on God's grace. Please look at me for a second. When we talk about, please, everyone just look at me. Okay, don't look at the screen. Just look at me for a second. Okay. When we talk about stopping this or separating yourself from that group of people or from whatever, here's what we know. Here's what we're convinced of. You can't do this in your own strength. I can't do it in my own strength. You can do it. You know what we need? We need heavenly support. How many would say amen? Okay, I'm not talking about legalism and somebody sitting here and, and uh, 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 you know, there's like churches where, where there's like real legalistic churches if your skirt is not long enough or if you're this or I, some people come from backgrounds if the man shaves his beard, like, they, you know, they get chastised or whatever. That's nonsense. You realize? 
That's outward, that's outward nonsense, okay? What we're talking about is holiness from the heart. We need the help of God to be holy. God, he pours out his blessing. He pours out. He's, he's willing to help us. But, you know, when we, when we say, I love you, God, okay, when we say, I love you, you know what, what God says? He says, I love you back and I'm going to help you. He says, I love you back. I'm going to help you. Okay? So here's what this means. It means whether you're in church or out of church, in a Christian something or out of... Like, you know what was crazy to me is that I was at this event. I was looking around the room, and then I was looking at the person who brought me. And I was like, wow. We're here. And you know what? I think we should be here. I think this is a good thing we participated in. But he's a man of God. He's, we're here, but we're not in this. You see, when you go to work tomorrow, God can help you. He helped these boys. They were part of the political and governmental structure, but he still helped them to be holy. God can help you, okay? There's grace from heaven, to be strengthened by the Spirit. That's why we have a Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is the helper, the one who is able to make us holy from the inside out. Can I get an amen? That's what this world needs right now. What this world needs is people that are walking in holiness, not worldliness. If you're worldly like them, why would they follow you? You're just like them. Notice, notice, which we'll get into the second point here, but notice that because they look better, then they change the diet for everyone. See, when your diet makes you shine, everyone wants that diet. How many would say amen? And if they don't want it, then so be it. But you see, how does a young woman in this day and age keep their weight they're, they're way pure. How does a young man in this day and age keep their way pure? You know how? Heavenly support. Heavenly support. But see, consecration is, is one of those things that, see, there's the backside of favor and there's the front side of favor. We look at the, at the backside of favor. We look at the outcome, right? But the front side of favor is basically this. The front side of favor is that we make these decisions day by day to separate ourselves to God. And as we separate ourselves to God, God helps us and he blesses us and he strengthens us. Things like, things like what you do at your lunchtime. You know, do you know that maybe once or twice a week, what if you took your lunchtime and gave it to God? Read your Bible, prayed, took a walk with the Lord. You know, you could eat or not eat. You know, I remember working in the Twin Towers. There was a guy, his name was Chris, and he was a rising star. And um, 
And I knew why he was a rising star, because this guy was committed to his calling. And even at lunchtime, he would take, we worked in the reinsurance industry, very complicated. It was like they insured parts of insurance. It was kind of crazy. I didn't, I didn't get it. Definitely not my calling. Um, but here was the thing. This guy would, at his lunchtime, I would see him. He would go and he would pull periodicals about the industry. Okay, and he was reading at lunchtime and reading. And I was like, oh, snap, this guy's reading that. You know, I need, I need to go to some church for lunch today and read my Bible. Amen. You know? So I think you should read periodicals about wherever you are and advance in your business. Of course, you should learn and grow. But how many know, maybe one of those lunchtimes, we ought to give that lunchtime to Jesus. Amen? Simple steps, simple choices that we make, okay, are honored by God in a big way. Small steps, before we move on, listen, here's the way I want to conclude this. Small steps of separation are honored in a big way by God. Okay? It's, 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 there's something incredible. Uh, 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 I was asking Pastor Matt, and I was asking Shelly, and different things. Anybody that is, you really see the hand of God in, they will tell you their story where, where they, they have these times in their life, you know. And by the way, if you're young, okay, if you're young here and, you're, and your life is unfolding, this is the best time of your life to consecrate yourself to God. Life gets very busy. You get married, you have children, and then I talk to, to, to moms with little babies. They're like, they're praising Jesus. They get like 12 minutes of, of time with God. That's like they had like a, you know, a 12-week retreat. You know, life gets busy and heavy and crazy. If you have the time, make time. It's a small step to separate to God. And it's incredible what will happen if you take the time, little by little, line upon line, precept upon precept, to fill yourself with the Word of God. You don't have to read 50 chapters. Read one chapter. But get alone with God and say, God, I want to be with you, Lord. I want to separate myself to you because I love you. Oh, my goodness, you're going to get help from heaven. So don't try to do this in yourself. This is not about rules and regulations and all that kind of stuff, but I will say this. Consistent time with God is transformational. That's what consecration is all about. Last thing I'll say is this. You know, to sum this, this point up, God honors when we make our days about Him. He honors when we make our days about Him. And you can make every day about him. How many would say amen? amen? Blessed be the name of the Lord. So the first thing that this passage teaches us is that if we want to separate ourselves, God will help us. He will. He will help us. He won't leave us to ourselves. Here's the second thing. Consecration will brighten our countenance. Okay, 
Consecration will brighten our countenance. Okay, what is countenance? When the Bible says, let your light shine, okay, it means God can brighten our countenance. It says at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. Now, this is not purely the result of going vegetarian. This is not an argument to being vegan, okay? So I think we could all add more fruits and vegetables to our diet, uh, um, but that's not what this, this We're talking about a, a heavenly blessing that makes men and women to shine. When you consecrate yourself and you separate from the defiling things of this world, what starts to happen is, is you simply look better. Your countenance is better. What is countenance? Countenance is the supernatural witness of God in times of darkness. Okay, countenance, okay, is the supernatural witness of God. That's what it comes down to. This says, does that say consecration? That's wrong. It's countenance. Okay, counsec- uh, uh, countenance is the supernatural witness of God uh, through us in times of darkness. Here's, here's what it means. It means that you spend time with God, and then you step out, and all of a sudden you have everyone countenance. Here's a classic example of that. This past, I was talking about this last Sunday to Pastor Jose, and Pastor Jose said, I got the best example for you, Pastor. Okay? I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, I walked into a a breakfast place down the block, Nick's. Wonderful man who actually was a real blessing to us in helping us get parking and all kinds. He's a real blessing. What's that called? Nick's High High Ho? I hold down the block. And uh, so anyway, we, we go there all the time. Our people go there all the time. So Pastor Jose walks in with one of the brothers in the church. And when he walked in, the, one of the waitresses or a lady who helps to manage, she said, um, good morning. He said, hey, good morning. And she goes, oh, man, do I want some of that. And he said, what are you talking about? She said, every time you walk in here, there's, you are smiling. There's something about you. I, I, I don't, what is that? I want some of that. You know what you call that, brothers and sisters? You call that countenance. How many would say amen? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> countenance means that Christ shines through your life. He shines through your smile. He shines through your actions. He shines through your walk. He shines through your talk. There's just something about you. He shines through your joy. He shines through your peace. You're just there, and people are like, oh, snap, I want some of that. Oh, God, give us, make us people of countenance, oh, God. That's what I'm talking about. This is a work of the Holy Spirit where God makes you shine because you're spending time with him. He makes you like a holy, heavenly glow stick. You know, it's so funny when you think about the, about the political scene we're living in this day. And um, I've heard so many Christians, right? They just think, this is wrong and that's wrong and, and all that. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about cons. Uh, consecration leads to confrontation. Okay, there's a place for confrontation. But see, a lot of Christians, they want to confront without the countenance. 
And can I give you a piece of advice? Let's lead with countenance. Countenance is very hard to argue with. They just looked better. They were just shining. They were looking better. God can make us look better. Quick, quick story. Two, two quick stories. Number one, I went to Bible school. And, um, and I'll never forget going to Bible school. And there was one teacher. I've said this many times. And, um, but there was one teacher. His name was Brother Shafflet. He was actually kind of a sickly man. And uh, um, so he was kind of low on weight. I, I know that he used to pastor some people that we know, the Cortese family, and he's a very wonderful man of God. And there was something about Brother Shafflet that when I used to get around him, I couldn't look him in the eyes. I was like this hotshot guy in Bible school, read a lot of spiritual books, and had served in my church, and there's an arrogance that can come to you in, in Bible school. But there was something, when I would talk to Brother Shafflet, I just go like this. Hey, Brother Shafflet, how are you? How are you? Good, good. And you know what? I wasn't afraid to give my opinion about biblical things or whatever, but when I was on Brother Shafflet, I was like this. You know why? He was such a holy man. His, his face would rebuke me. He just rebuked me. You know? It's like, you think you're a man of God? Open your eyes. Brother Shafflet used to rebuke me. Here's another one, probably one of the most things I'm grateful to my father-in-law for. You want to know it was a moment, it was a Monday, it wasn't a Sunday. The first thing I ever did at, at Brooklyn Tabernacle was I ran a little Christian baseball program. They said, this guy wants to get involved, but there's nothing he knows about anything except baseball. So, you know, <laughs> it should be safe there. So, so I taught a little baseball camp, and um, it was fun. I used to do a little devotional and the whole deal. And, and Pastor Simbla's son was in the group. He was probably about 10 years old, 11 years old. One of those Mondays, it was me and my buddy, one of those Mondays, Pastor Simbla came to get Jimmy. He came to pick him up. So... When we were about to dismiss, Pastor Simula came and he was behind the fence and I looked at him. And I was like, when I, there was something about his face that I felt like, oh my goodness, he was in the presence of God. You know, this is biblical because Moses used to go to the mountain, come down, and he would what? Shine. In the New Testament, Stephen was being stoned and he had the glow of an angel. So I saw that, and I was like, oh, come on, man. You're like, please. So I go to lunch with my buddy Jimmy. I mean, to dinner after that night. And we're, we're sitting there eating. We start to eat. And Jimmy says to me, Al, you're not going to believe this. But he said, when Pastor Simla came to the park today, he said, there was a glow about him. I felt like he had been in the presence of God. And can I tell you something? That was one of the greatest things he ever did for me. More than sermons, more than all kinds of things. It was one of the greatest things that Pastor Simba ever did for me. It's because I knew he's in the presence of God. 
one of the greatest things you'll ever do for your neighbors, for your friends, for your coworkers, is just separate yourself to his presence. Nothing is more important than that. There's so much that I want to say, but let me just say this. I've been praying. I've been praying for our church and so many churches. They're so popular because of this and because of that and KWA and all this kind of stuff. They're popular for all kinds of things. You know what really counts is that we're popular for our countenance. It's what counts is countenance. Yes, in 2016, in this dark, okay, wicked, okay, unholy, ungodly, okay, people full of anger, everyday shootings, what is the answer? It's time to shine. time to shine. Chicago needs bright Christians. Not better laws, but brighter people. Help us, Lord. Here's the last point, and then we'll, I'm going to close right now. I'm just going to tell you the point. Listen to the sermon. Next sermon, I'll try to get the rest of this in. But here's the last thing. Consecration makes us better. It says, in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, okay, he found them, everyone, three words, ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters. Let me just read this and we're going to close. Okay. What does better mean? It means this. It's great to be smart, but smart's backed up by the grace of and truth of God is better. It's great to be trained, but training backed up by honesty and humility is better. It's great to be hardworking and faithful, okay, but faithfulness backed up by the foresight and the presence of the Holy Spirit is everyone better. You see, because they separated themselves there's something about a pure, undefiled life. There's something about the words. There's something about the choices and the decisions. People just say that's better. So here's how I want to close today. I want to ask God for help. I want God to help our church. You see, the church is the New Testament instrument for reaching the world. The church is God's answer. But the way he, he, he meets the needs, how does it all begin? It begins by countenance. How do you get that countenance? You separate with the help of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help us, oh God. When people are living in the world and they're trapped by the things of this world, they're drawn by the things of this world, we need help for those things to be broken. It could be what you're watching on Netflix. It could be, it could be, you know, who you're hanging out with or what your choices are. Listen to me. God brought you, please look at me for a second. Everyone look at me. We're going to pray in a moment. 
God brought you here to speak to you about your life. No, 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 don't clap. Receive. This is a moment. He will help us. When we get to heaven, when we stand before Almighty God, He's going to say, I wanted to help you. Today, I want us to say, help me, God. I surrender to you, your plans, your purposes. I surrender to your person. I pray, oh God, for the small steps that you honor in a big way. You know what those steps are. You know, Lord, steps to read our Bible more and participate in other things less. Lead us, guide us. I pray that this would not be about works, but more about the wooing of the Holy Spirit. Even today, Lord, I pray that there would be a moment in time where we would feel the tug of the Holy Spirit saying, come away with me. Let your Spirit call us, O oh God. Call us, help us. Call us to get alone and to pray and to seek your face so that we could bring, oh God, you glory with our countenance. Send your people out, oh God. Send them out to make a powerful difference in this dark world. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, come on, let's put our hands together and praise him before we go. Hallelujah! Come on, greet one another before you go. God bless you, everyone.